0: Brought to you by The Simple Investor, making the world of real estate investment simple.
1: The Free For All Roundtable, Round 1.
0: On Round 1 today, Mark Tuey is here, former Chief of Staff to the Mayor of Toronto, Ed Keenan from the Toronto Star, Christy Blatchford. You hear her on roundtables here on News Talk 1010, morning and afternoon. You can read her in the National Post. And Shelly Carroll is here, City Councilor. Nice to have everybody. Good morning. Good morning. 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 And Shelly Carroll, I know you were going to make the announcement here on more... In the AM, but yeah, somebody Twitter
2: got the uh, jump on you. Somebody found
0: out that you're going to run for the provincial Liberals. Um, you really want to sit on the opposition benches?
2: <laughs> oh, that if. may not be the case. That may not be the case. Uh, 2018 is a little ways away.
0: It is. It is. Christy, you you still think that Kathleen Wynne can figure a way to pull it out of the fire?
3: Absolutely, I do. Um, and I also think Shelley has good instincts. So if if she's joining them, that's because she thinks they're going to win too. And I don't mean that's her reason, but you know what I mean.
0: Yeah, well, Sorry to
3: talk you about you like you weren't here. <laughs> no, that's quite all
0: right. Yeah. Well, Mark Toohey, you've run political campaigns. Um, I mean, if you were advising the liberals, or would you?
4: Well, you wouldn't, would you? I, I never say never. Depends how big the check Does the is. check clear? Exactly. <laughs> okay. Uh, I, there's, you know, I have enormous amount of respect for Premier Wynne as a politician. She's very good at it. She, you know, has set this thing up well. I don't like a lot of her policies. I, absolutely. But... She's a brilliant politician. And uh, I wouldn't put anything past her. These conservatives that want to sit on their hands figuring that this is just going to come rolling into their laps are going to find it to be a tough fight. Listen, let's move to the American election. And people keep on texting me and saying, why don't you talk more about Hillary?
0: Listen, here in Canada, the stakes are not as high. It's a show. So we cover it as a show. And Donald Trump is the star of the show. And if we sat and parse through all the WikiLeaks with Hillary, maybe that's important if you're casting a vote. If you're not casting a vote, not half as interesting as this.
4: And
3: when you're a star, they let you do it. You can do anything. (laughs)
4: Whatever you want. Grab them by the. Nobody (laughs) has more respect for women than I do.
3: It was a real shock when all of a sudden his hands were all over nobody
4: me. has more respect for women than i do
3: he was like an octopus it was like he had six arms he was all over the place nobody has more respect for women than i do
1: he just came strolling right in there was no second to put a robe on or any sort of clothing or anything um some girls were topless other girls were naked who do you complain to he owns the pageant <laughs> so there's no one to complain to everyone there works for him
0: that's just uh, some of the voices of women who have now stepped forward to accuse Donald Trump of everything from forcefully kissing them to groping them on a plane. Uh, we're up to about five or six. It's hard to keep track. Ed, let me start with you. A lot of people are saying, well, why are they talking now? It's a lot like the Gameshi case. It's yeah. because <clears throat> Donald Trump said on television, I don't behave like that. And so women who say he does are saying, whoa.
1: Yeah, and and I think there was seven yesterday allegations of of impropriety. And and I, th- I think this is what happens in the newspaper business a lot. And, and a lot of people don't understand this. It's like if you... Somebody said it, it, uh, this election started off reminding us a little bit eerily of Rob Ford and now suddenly it's reminding us of Gomeshi. Uh, but in both of those cases, what happens is that you report somebody something or the candidate says something and then it's out there in the news and there's this topic of debate. Did he just say this thing or does he have a history of kissing people without their permission, groping them, grabbing them. And then the people who who say that that's what happened to them say, wait, I have to get involved in this conversation because it involves me now all of a sudden. And he's denying he did that kind of stuff. And so then you have waves of them. And I don't think it's it's any coincidence that it's like three days after that debate because what happens people have conversation with their family and friends. They phone the newspaper. The newspaper starts phoning around to try and check out their story to the extent that they can, calling corroborating witnesses. Did this person call you right after? Uh, Double-checking that you know the circumstances would line up uh, to try and validate this, and then and then they come out. On I saw uh, Josh Barrow on Twitter saying that he, he's a writer for Bloomberg, uh, saying that he thought the over/under on a- allegations like this before the election would be 120, and and certainly. The, they started racking right up.
0: Yeah, Christy Blatchford, uh, when I interviewed uh, Kevin Donovan about his new book, and of course, Gomeshi plays a role in your book as well, but he's written a book about Gomeshi. He talks about how he couldn't put out a billboard saying, yo, anybody out there who's been touched or molested or attacked by Jeanne Gomeshi, please call me. But once people started coming forward, his phone was ringing.
3: Sure. Essentially, the the newspaper is your billboard. I mean, once you write one story, uh, if there is this kind of, uh, you know, collective group out there, members will, people will start to call you. So, uh, yeah, it's not it's not surprising how it happens. It's not, I don't think anybody uh, is surprised that it happened. I think it is an awful reflection, not obviously mostly on uh, Trump, but also on, you know, how power can um, corrupt people uh, to the to the degree that you know I, I mean slug the guy if he does this i mean so what if he's powerful I, I don't mean the the beauty uh contestants because the the woman you quote was quite right i mean he owned the pageant and he strolled about it like he owned it but i mean good grief uh, you know you, you don't you're not entitled to behave like a pig because you're rich and people should have should call these guys on it.
0: It's going to be fascinating to see how Donald Trump handles this. Robert Turner, load up that clip of the woman who, this is a Trump spokesperson. Trying to say that the uh, woman Jessica Leeds, who's now s- retired, 74 years old, she says it happened in the 80s on a flight. She says that she was seated in first class and Donald Trump raised the armrest and then started to grope her. And uh-huh. she moved. Aha! Uh-huh. Here we go. So uh, th- here's what a Trump surrogate says.
1: Guess what? <laughs> first class seats have fixed armrests. So what I can tell you about her story, if she was okay. groped on a plane, okay. it Katrina, wasn't by Donald Trump. We'll get our, we'll Trump, get our it aviation expert. Okay, we will okay, get our, one we'll down, get our aviation to
3: expert
0: go. here uh, to talk How about.
1: Explain how that happens. There are fixed seats on first class.
0: All right, Shelley Carroll, you're making the mind blowing blown gesture.
2: Oh my God! Was this surrogate in particular? She's one of my faves on CNN. Was she even born when this took place? We're talking about a seven year old, a seventy four year old woman, in business who was sitting in first class in the early eighties. How do you know the configuration of the plane? But what is so compelling about Ms. Leeds is even if you look in the media, there's a picture of her in that era. This is a pretty together woman, divorced albeit, but but a, a woman in business, which was surprisingly rare yeah. in those well, days. Well, what's kind of
0: depressing is she says, "Yeah, I was used to this kind of treatment,"
2: and 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 life was like that. And and uh, they come forward in numbers because in those days, and really still to this day, coming forward is a really scary thing. You can be halfway through being being violated before you sort of come to your senses and realize I'm being violated, and. Then getting out of it is your first concern. Reporting it is a very big, daunting move. And so what happens is you come forward because one brave person, this great 74-year-old, has uh, has made it more possible okay. for you to speak as well.
4: Last word, because it is a foreign country. Uh, yeah, it's, it's nasty, and I hope that the accusations and the allegations are taken seriously. I hope uh, they're investigated by whatever agencies can at this point in time. And I hope they are treated seriously, as I would have hoped other allegations with Bill Clinton and what his wife, who is now running to be president, uh, did to defend him by trashing women who brought forward allegations like this contemporaneously at the time. And the smoking gun is not the armrest? It's the octopus. Octopuses have eight legs. Ha <laughs> ha! Not <All right>. six. <laughs> Let's
0: keep moving here. Um, e-health audit apparently is going to come out and it's going to be trouble for the provincial liberals. And so they're scrambling around, including the poss- possibility of apparently selling e-health uh, and going private. Uh, Mark, I'll actually start with you on this one. Um, this is just this, the, the problem that never goes away.
4: Well, e-health, yes, another gift from uh, our good friend George Smitherman. Uh, it just keeps adding up and adding up and adding up. He's uh, like anyway. Uh, the it, it's interesting to see what they do. This there is definitely all sorts of stuff that has value in any organization that collects data about people and their habits and their their needs. And so the story that came out yesterday about this, with regard to you know sizing up the value of the database, that's probably more troubling. Than the idea that they might sell the infrastructure, nobody's going to buy the computers anyway. They don't have much value. But uh, I think the they're scrambling around looking for ways to to meet the obligations that they've made because they just can't stop spending.
1: But, okay, well, but that's okay. that's
2: not actually that's not actually what what is going on here. Uh, the minister has been very clear about this. The contract is, is due in 2017 that is managing this system right now. It's not unusual, and, and I'm not speaking talking points here now. I'm still on the outside looking in. But what the article tells us, what the minister tells us, is this is a valuation leading up to a contract renewal. That's not unusual even at the city. Uh, but secondly, he's been very clear uh, not to not to uh, uh, bind this together with the audit. When an AG is auditing a division, you're, the 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 information is not unknown to you. They they live give management the details. Right. Let them respond, etc. But the timing of all he this, he knows is a little what's suspect. in the audit, and he's he said this is not about selling it. This is about valuating it before contract renewals begin in early 2017. Well, but the
1: other thing is too, if you know the auditor general's report is coming, you might, and you know that it's going to say it costs X amount, you might be doing a little valuation on it to try and say, and see, that's what it's worth.
0: Well, maybe just smart politics, but let's face it, all politicians are tacticians. Uh, (laughs) Thoughts on breaking news in the last few minutes? Bob Dylan has won the Nobel Prize for Literature. Um,
1: Wow.
2: Wow. We're so American (laughs) today. (laughs)
1: Well, that's that's international. I mean, isn't the it? Nobel Prize yeah. is. I th- I think it's uh it's an interesting choice, uh, unexpected, but I it it feels right somehow to me, or it feels appropriate anyway. I'm I'm a big Bob Dylan fan, so maybe I'm compromised. But maybe if but- any songwriter other than, say, Leonard Cohen. If any songwriter of the last 40 years is is considered a poet or uh, or the music feels like literature, yeah. maybe Bob Dylan's hit. Well,
0: to mention Leonard Cohen, he told New Yorker magazine in an article published today, I'm ready to die. I hope it's not too uncomfortable. That's about it for me. So, Captain of, of Mirth and, that, uh, that and Uplift. That Bob Dylan or Leonard Cohen? That's Leonard Cohen. Yeah. Yeah.
3: I think, a... I think it's nice that uh, um, Bob Dylan may have been nomin- or won or nominated. He's won. He won. Oh, my yeah, goodness. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, That's great, but I am amused somewhat too because if ever anybody wrote the same song for 40 (laughs) years, it's that guy. I remember a friend of mine who is a big Bob Dylan fan wrote uh, in some little review he was doing that uh, you know he was remarking upon how much Dylan had grown and I remembered listening to the songs from that day to the first songs and they sounded exactly the same to my ear. So. I'm
4: 52 and all I know about Bob Dylan is he's a guy that used to write songs when I was a kid that old people listened to.
2: Even back then, yes. Yeah. Hey, he's one of those those artists that it, it, it you frustratingly try and explain to your grandchildren there would be no Beatles without Bob Dylan there would be no this, there would be no, without that he is he is the quintessential person that you that you have to to offer up that equation but mark's right uh generations now have no appreciation for it because it's it's just sort of understood that the world changed uh when bob dylan picked up an electric guitar
0: i just love that you don't have to be an obscurantist writing about talking lions to win a nobel prize it's eight (laughs) o'clock.